1: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on
3: DailyFaceOff.com. Delivered by DoorDash.
1: Welcome to episode 117 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Alongside Frank Saravalli, and another crazy weekend in the National Hockey League as we get closer to the uh, playoffs. uh, We know who's in the East, and uh, it's down for me, Frank. Uh, We're down to nine teams. There's uh, a few teams battling for playoff spots. That's it. Uh, Five teams, I guess, who still could uh, fall out of the uh, playoff spot or get in in uh, Edmonton, LA, Nashville, Dallas, and uh, Las Vegas. And uh, Edmonton and LA seem Not pretty, but fairly comfortable to get in the Pacific. So it'll be fun, Frank. And uh, I want to start with that playoff race and uh, your thoughts. The Vegas Golden Knights are five and oh since in their last five games since March 23rd. They've gained zero points on Edmonton
3: and only two points on L.A. It's pretty tough to gain ground. It's the story of this league. It's the story of this league basically from November on. If you don't have a good October you don't have a good November you're in big trouble because it's so hard to make up ground and, you know, just go back and do the math on how good the Vancouver Canucks have been since Bruce Boudreaux took over. Like it doesn't, it's, it's, it's amazing that they were even in a playoff conversation at any point, but you see now how the math catches up to them and how far back they are? Vegas, they had so much ground to make up with 25 games left that they've put themselves in a spot where yes, they can go on a five and over run and, and not make up ground. That's how it works. It's another reason why I think we need the three, two, one, zero point system.
1: Now we can get into that actually. Um, let's go to your city first. Where do you come out on Keith Yandel?
3: <sighs> you know, I see it from both sides. I really do. And I know that's, that's a Pollyannish answer, but the truth is, if we're having an honest conversation, Keith Yandel probably should have been a healthy scratch long before he broke Doug Jarvis's record. He had a couple games in you know November, December where he wasn't just out on the ice for four goals; he was directly responsible for four goals in a single game. And the Flyers played along and played nice and. You know, he got past Doug Jarvis's record. They, they had a huge celebration. Uh, They really did it right in terms of the ceremony. Um, And then you get to this spot now where you've got 12 games left in the season and he's at 989 games and people are saying, well, your team stinks. You're out of the playoff race. These games don't mean anything. Why are you in a spot where you're dressing Nick Sealer, for instance, over Keith Yandel? And I get that argument. I do. But it's also not the Flyers' job to carry 13 years worth of baggage for a player that's only in his first season with the team and likely his last. Like, they allowed him sort of artificially in some ways to break this record. Do we get a little worked up or overworked up at at the numerology of it, of of 1,000 instead of 989? Like, that's uh, kind of what I kept asking myself is are we making too big a deal of this? And I understand you know, what's the harm in just letting him get to a thousand, but it doesn't make what he did any less impressive.
1: 100%. Here's where I come out at it, Frank. In game 318, or 627, or 840. You're in the lineup based on merit. You're not in the lineup then because you're chasing a number and it's like, well, geez, we got to get this guy to game 700 or we got to get him to game 800. That's that's irrelevant to the conversation. So it should be irrelevant once you're you're chasing another number. And when you look at at Keith Yandel, and you brought up the numbers, Frank, you look at his five on five play. He's he's an offensive defense when he doesn't have a goal five on five. He only has five points. Nick Sealer actually has one goal five on five in in fewer games and fewer minutes. But then you look at goals for goals against five on five. Keith Yandel is 20 goals for 41 goals against. He's got a 32.7 goal four percentage. Now, look at the other regular defensemen. Sandheim's 52 percent. Braun's 48 percent. Rhys 47 47. Provorov's 46. Nick Sealer's 43. And then way down is 32 for Keith Yandel. So I agree with you 100 percent. He they did by almost him, every objective measure. He's had yeah, an awful season. Yeah, they did him a favor by letting him set the record. And when people say, well, it's a thousand games, let's let's be honest here. In three seasons, when people remember Keith Yandel, they're going to remember him for being a dynamic offensive player. Whether he played a thousand consecutive games or 989 consecutive games really isn't going to change anything other than I think some people get caught up in the emotion of it rather than is. Should he be in the lineup based on merit alone? Because because that's what you're supposed to.
3: They already did him the favor. Yeah, exactly. At, so that's, at 938 or whatever, to your point, he, he should have come out of the lineup. Yeah.
1: And I think that here's the thing. So let's say he gets to a thousand games. The way Phil Kessel's going, Phil Kessel's breaking the record next year because I think Keith Yandel is in is going to be in a challenge to get a contract next season based on merit and how he played this year.
3: I was going to say at the end, none of this is really going to matter because Phil Kessel is going to be the record record holder and it's going to be Yandel who held it for a 25 game stretch. Yeah.
1: And like, it's unfortunate. you know what? I want to say this. I want to applaud Keith Yandel. I I saw his press conference. I I get that. It's challenging. challenging. Every player wants, I, you know, I, I co-host my regular show with Jason Strudwick and, you know, he played almost 700 NHL games. He joked that he was a healthy scratch for about 400 of them or 400 plus games. Right. It's difficult to, to sit in the press box and, and have a positive mindset. And, you know, I understand why Hayes comes out and says, hey, I don't agree with it. They're really good friends. Like you, st- you stand up for your teammates. I understand all of that. But at the end of it, I don't really think all the the negative, all oh, the flyers, this shows no one's going to want to sign there. I'm like, what? He's he got the contract on first year in the organization, wasn't playing very well, and they stuck with him so he could break the record. I would say that's a pretty good organizational move.
3: Yeah. I, like I said, I see it from both sides because like I get how popular of a player he is in that dressing room, too. So it, it's it is a little different in that sense but they don't owe him anything. They, they, they gave him what they thought he deserved in, in the sense that it was, you know, he probably could have come out at, at 967 games or whatever the number is. He should have come out 925. It just so happens that this is the time that they've made the call. The only thing that you can quibble with, I think even if you can objectively say that Nick sealer has had a better season, I mean, Nick Sealer is a 28, 29 year twenty-nine-year-old journeyman. Like, yeah, you know, he, uh, in the pecking order of like, and then we're talking like, does it really matter? Like, does it really matter who you're playing in the last twelve games? I know that it should be by merit, but this coach isn't even going to be here next season. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of message is he trying to? So you know what I'm saying? I see it from both sides. Like, I get. Should they have just let him get to a thousand? I don't know, but I, I think. I think the biggest thing is the reaction league wide is overblown. Like I saw so many things on my Twitter feed from people in Philly saying, I I will never spend another dollar with the flyers again as a fan. And I'm like, really? Like, this is, this is what sends you over the edge.
1: Yeah. That, that, that seems, I think that's a, a, an emotional tweet based on what a disappointing season it's been for the flyers. And I appreciated What Kevin Hayes said. He goes, Hey, we put ourselves in this situation, right? If, um, you know and, and and Yandel's part of that, but I don't want to discount what he did because nine hundred eighty nine games for a defenseman is amazing to do, and that's what he'll be remembered for. People aren't going to forget it. He's gonna he's gonna have the record for defenseman now. And who knows? Maybe Phil does get injured. There's always a chance, so he still might hold the record. We'll see. Um, and so we go to from Phil Kessel's streak to Phil Kessel's team and Jay Beagle, who hasn't had a fight since two thousand and thirteen. And, uh, you know, he pumped Troy Terry uh, in a tilt late in that blowout game. Um, I honestly think people were more upset about what Tyson Nash said Rather than the the actual altercation, because if you look at it on the ice, you know what? Zegers gives a little bit of a poke, not a big deal. So Beagle gives him a cross check. I really don't think it had anything to do with him scoring the goal earlier. I think it was more so that he's poking the goalie in a five nothing game. So he gets a cross check and then Troy Terry does what you do. You come in, you stand up for a teammate and Jay Beagle gets the best of him. Right, Jay Beagle's not a big fighter, Frank. Like I think it's nine career fights, but he hasn't had one since 2013. But Troy Terry, if 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 you jump in a fray, you have to be expecting that outcome that a guy might want to drop the gloves. Where do you come up?
3: It's that it's not really related at all to the incident. That it has everything to do with what Tyson Nash said on the Arizona broadcast. Yeah. Like we don't probably ever like that incident probably happens once a night in the n h l close to it i mean maybe maybe someone isn't isn't bloodied and and heading off the ice, but there's that type of scrum, that type of reaction almost like literally if there's ten games a night in one of those games, that happens, right, yeah it's what was said on the broadcast that if you come in and try and quote, skill it up, like, isn't that actually what we're trying to do is skill it up. Like it's not the Anaheim ducks fault as they're up five, nothing that the coyotes have no skill.
1: Oh yeah. And that's, and I think, I don't believe that Jay Beagle in that moment is at all worried about the, uh, the lacrosse goal from Zegras.
2: I don't know. He's
3: he, but that's what, what I'm saying is, his actions are being painted by what Tyson Nash said.
1: Yes, I agree. Yeah.
3: I, I, I don't think there's any part of Jay Beagle that was thinking who, by the way, like everyone seems to love Jay Beagle. Like I, I don't think any part of it is, is him thinking, Oh, this guy scored a lacrosse call on our team. Let's cross check cross-check him in the face and try and poke his eye out. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I, I just think it's the commentary that drove me crazy not the actual incident and and not to say that the incident should be widely accepted. Like again, that's a cross check and a guy's getting punched in the face. No, what he did wasn't necessarily egregious either. Like, you know, a poking the goalie before the whistle, like it's a pretty standard play. If the whistle hasn't blown, you go to the whistle. You're taught that since you're six years old.
1: Yeah. The play on the ice, I didn't think it was bad. And, and honestly, you know, Nash is, as a broadcaster, you can, you're allowed to disagree with someone uh, as a, a, you know, opinion on one thing. Um, you know, what he said I, I, to me, what he said reminded me of how he played, right. He he would do anything to infuriate people. And, and that's what he did on the broadcast.
3: It's embarrassing. It just is. I'm sorry. Like that, if that's all you have in your repertoire, if that's the only well you can go to, It's no good. Like that's like, that's not what the, that's not what we're the game is, is aspiring to be. It's not what it should be. It shouldn't be if you're skilled or if it's five, nothing and you've played a good game that you deserve to get cross checked in the face and punched in the face.
1: Yeah. Cause I don't think, I really don't think that's how the game is. There's lots of blowouts and nothing occurs all the time. But that's
3: the point is why is he saying it? Why are you thinking it? It's, it's almost like he was twisted that they were getting embarrassed. It was like, he reverted to former player mode of, Oh, this game's five, nothing. It's out of hand. And these young guys, it was even the way he explained it. Like, Oh, these young guys that aren't tough come in here and are, are outskilling us. You want to skill it up. We're going to goon it up. Like, it's just like, why, why? And then, and then why essentially double down on what you said? He, I saw he did a podcast, um, with Craig Morgan. And basically he started backtracking for three minutes and then went back to saying the same thing that he thought from the beginning. I, no. I don't know. I just, I, I don't have any room for it in today's game, just because your skill doesn't mean you should get punched in the face. Oh, yeah. And,
1: and I would agree wholeheartedly. And I think we have to separate the two because I don't think that's what Jay Beagle thought. I, I don't think that's what his actions were based on. So I think people felt like, well, Nash said it. So that must be what Beagle was thinking. And I don't uh, I don't agree No, That's with that a at all.
3: really, really good point. It's yeah. Separating the two. Like I said, yeah. incident. I, my issue is more with what was said.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, one thing I don't have issue with, speaking of uh, skilling it up, Frank, um, guys who score goals and guys who uh, collect points, it's it's hard to do both. So I have a, I have a, some numbers for you. And there's an article coming out today, at daily face off that will outline this so people can pay can follow along a little bit better. Uh, one hundred point seasons in the history of the game. One hundred and eleven players have scored one hundred points. It's happened two hundred eighty five times. Fifty goals. Austin Matthews became the 93rd player to score 50 in a season. It's been done 198 times. 50 goals and 100 points in a season. There's 55 players to have done it. It's happened 118 times. So clearly 50 and 100, uh, is much, it's, you know, it's much more rare. Um, but then to do it twice in a career. Leon Dreisaitl accomplished that last night. He's got 50 goals, got 101 points now. And uh, he's one of only 24 players who have done it twice, Frank. There's 61 guys who have scored 100 100 points twice. And there's 46 guys, uh, 47, excuse me, who have done um, um, 100 goals two times or more. And so when I look at Leon Dreisaitl, and he's in a rarefied air, Frank, when it comes to the 50 hundred and, you know, he's won a heart. He's won an he's won an Art Ross. He's won a Ted Lindsey. I still think that that Leon Dreisaitl, when people are talking about, you know, great players, best score in the game. Like I read an article the other day that well, Austin Matthews could have scored 53 times, if it wasn't for COVID and outside of Ovechka, no one does that. I'm like. Well, Drysaddle has done it twice, and he also would have done it a third time if it wasn't for COVID. Like, he seems to get overlooked. He's kind of like if Jenny Malkin was in his
3: prime in Pittsburgh. I think back to the Oilers' first playoff run in 2017, was it? Oh, yeah. And I was doing the panel with Craig Button on TSN, and that's the exact comparison he made, was Leon Drysaddle is the Evgeny Malkin to Sidney Crosby. That's really, and it it was an exact comparison. Then it's maybe even more apropos now because you think about the hard trophy race and no one really knows what to do with Leon Dreisaitl. How do you handle it? Why is it that Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid almost cancel each other out? Like both of their campaigns are weakened by the other, right? Yeah. At least theoretically. Yet no one thinks the same way about Austin Matthews and his candidacy, even though Mitch Marner is in the top five in the league in points. Why is that the case?
1: I'm guessing because McDavid and Drysdale have already won, and and it's a and, I, and I'm sorry. I think as as a voter. It's very lazy to say, well, the other guy's won, so I don't want to pick him. I really, like, to me, that I wouldn't, I voted Patrice Bergeron. Like, if that's the case, why is he winning the Selkie all the time? Right? Like, you're supposed to pick who's the
3: best, not who you're tired of. I think he, I think Bergeron has actually lost Selkies in recent years because people are tired of seeing him win. I think that is fact. He hasn't, he hasn't won a Selkie since 2017. Think about that. He won so many in a row that people were like, eh, we're good. Let's change it up."
1: Yeah, like, well, and speaking of selkie, it's like when people in Toronto were saying Austin Matthews should be up for the selkie. Well, Austin Matthews being on the ice for fifty-six goals against five-on-five. Drysaddle's been on for fifty, but they say that Drysaddle doesn't have good defense. Like, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Like Leon Drysaddle, how many top ten scores are 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 used on your five-on-three? penalty kill are used on your you know your penalty kill regularly or like dry the thing that's unique about dry saddle frank is he if, if he's not the best backhand passer in the nhl he's definitely top two or three i don't think there's any debate on that right um he's an elite passer and he's become one of the elite scorers like austin matthews has a better uh snapshot no question like his release is fantastic but you look at dry saddle dry saddle is probably more accurate with his one timer and scores on it more right exactly. it's like you know, he's, he's not Ovechkin because very few people are Ovechkin. Let's be real here. But I just I find it interesting how Drysaddle gets overlooked. And when you when so I, when I crunched those numbers and, you know, I dug deep into it and it took me a long time, but only 24 guys and Drysaddle, there's a realistic chance he could do it again, Frank. Well, if he does it again, you know, you you you, uh, you guarantee rubber stamp his ticket to the Hockey Hall of Fame because I think all you the- already have. Yeah, and you're probably right, but here's the numbers, Frank, for the, uh, for, the, for the Maurice Richard trophy, which is fantastic, aptly named, the first guy ever to score 50, Maurice Richard, 50 and 50 back in 1945. In the last 12 games, Drysaddle has a 12-game point streak. He has 12 goals, 22 points. Austin Matthews now his technically isn't a twelve game point streak because he got suspended, but he's on a personal twelve game point streak. He has fourteen goals, twenty assists, and then there's Connor McDavid is on a thirteen game point streak, and he has eleven goals and twenty six points. Right, like McDavid has an outside chance because he's on such a hot streak to maybe join the fifty hundred club, as does Matthews, who's might be more realistic because because he needs uh, what does he need twelve points to get there, like. You could see three guys in one season join the 5100 club, which is remarkable.
3: Crazy. By the way, Matthews and the heart or er, heart candidacy or we, what were we talking? Selkie. Well, somebody he had mentioned Selkie earlier. He doesn't year, kill penalties much. at all. Well, that's what I said. You, yeah. you can't.
1: Plus he's been on the ice. Like look at his goals against five on five when you're on the ice. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Oh yeah, I'm and, sorry. And, and I don't want to win play, the Selkie without but, killing penalties. Yeah. And so, and by the way, this is an attack on Matthews. It's I don't get Austin Matthews is an unreal player.
3: I I don't care what who's what your last name is or what team you play for. If you don't kill penalties, you you should be disqualified from winning the selfie.
1: hundred percent. I would agree. Yeah. And but so where do you come out on like right now? The uh, the rock of I'd still probably say I I give I give Matthews the edge because he's got he's leading
3: and he has a few extra games to play. Right. It's not even just the games to play. It's more the consistency. Uh, it's the goals per game. He's at 0.8. Dry cycles at 0.72. Um, I just he 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 also has the ability to not that dry sidle doesn't because he's racked up a ton of multi-goal games. It's just that Matthews scores in such bunches, he could score 14 and 10. He could score, you know, 12 and and six. Like he he just has that. You know, sort of unique ability that um, I, I would still put my money on Matthews.
1: And where do you come out just on fifty goals? Whereas, like that seems to be like th- the benchmark, really. Like you look, Crosby, Yager, Lemieux, Gretzky, you know, Messi, Go down the list of of great forwards um, to to score fifty goals. Is it something that th- does it matter at all if McDavid never has a fifty goal season? Because I think for him, Frank it would matter because th- that is one of the benchmarks of elite in the national hockey league. Right. And, and the only kind of dominant generational player who didn't score 50. Well, I guess Gordy Howe if you go back, but that had to do with games played more than anything else. If you look at today's player, but also Eric Lindros and you know, that probably had more to do with injuries than anything else. Cause his career high was 47, but healthy guys, you know, and, and now in an 80 game season, if you. It, like I think McDavid needs to score 50 in his career for him. I think he wants to Crosby did it once.
3: Right. Uh yeah, when I mean, go back to 50? his third season or whatever it was when he won, um, when he won the Ted Lindsay for the second time. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with him, Hey, what are your plans for the summer? What are your plans for the offseason? He said, I really want to be a better goal scorer. I want to work on scoring more goals and, he, he's done it, but his numbers really haven't transcended that. And part of that is because there have been shortened seasons, right? Like the COVID shortened season two years ago, then the 56 game season now followed by this year, he's on track for 45, I think maybe 46 he can hit, but I don't know if it'll change the way we view him, but I think you're right in saying that it's important to him. It's sort of a, yes. a threshold number, a rare, Club to join, especially in the last decade in the NHL. How many guys have hit 50? Three. Matthews makes four, I think. Oh, no. In the
1: last decade, it's three. Matthews is the third.
3: Stamkos, Ovechkin. No, Stamkos,
1: technically, Frank, that's 11 years ago. It's how time flies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had what, 62? Yeah, 60. Yeah.
3: Um, the other stat that wows me about 50 goals is that Matthews is the first American-born player since 1998 yeah. to hit 50. Yeah. That's a long time. There's a lot of American born NHL players that haven't been able to hit 50. Will you look at at the at the conversation, and
1: obviously it's, it's a long ways away because you got to wait till the career's over. But, you know, Mike Medano, I think, Frank, and maybe you can, you'd know better being an American, but, you know, Mike Medano, many people consider him maybe the, the greatest American player, right? But, you know, there's defenseman Chris Chelios, of course, you know, had Brett Hall as a shooter. But then you got Patrick Kane, and you look at his career, and you look at Austin Matthews, and Matthews is the better goal scorer, no question. But like, like Patrick Kane, you know he's had multiple hundred point seasons. You know he won the art. Or he won the heart. Didn't know. He didn't win the heart. He won the Art Ross, or did he win the heart? I can't remember. Maybe he won the heart. But well, you know he's won multiple Stanley Cups. He's, you know, he won the heart in 2016. Okay, did he won the heart? Yeah. So, but he's never he, hit 50 in 10 years. No, it never hit 50 in 10 years. I'm wondering if people will be like Matthews or Kane. Who's the better American? Because goal scoring it's funny frank we look at it i still think and that's why i brought up 50 is people look at goals and they value them
3: more you should it's a lot harder to do yeah why wouldn't you value goals more it's the hardest thing in the game to do but if you're like what if you're like look at chris Kreider's year, right like chris Kreider, he's got a chance
1: to score 50 but he's not even going to have 25 assists Right. So where where does where does you know, that's you have a guy like McDavid or McDavid's maybe a bad example. Johnny Gaudreau, Jonathan Huberto, they're going to join the 100 point club this season, become the 112th and 113th players to score 100. And then you look at Kreider's season. Would you would you say that Crider had a better year or Gaudreau and Huberto had a better year?
3: Just watching them play, I would say Gaudreau and Huberto had a better yeah. year. Yeah. And then, but, but Kreider could
1: join that, that 50, uh, you know, 50 goal club. And I, and I think it, you know, it's a mark, remarkable season what he's had, but he kind of looks like a guy who who's going to have that ultimate career
3: year. Yep. Yeah. I wonder how repeatable it is for Chris Kreider. What was it? That's my high? big question. He's 29? got 20, 20, he's 30. He turns 31 uh, actually later this month. He has 24 power play goals No nah. league leading 24 power play goals. That's, that's a ton. Oh, His dude, previous you, career high was 11 and that was last year. Well, you know who he reminds
1: me of this season? He's looking like Tim Kerr and Dave Andrew just crushing it around the net, right? Well, and tight
3: t- it's Tim Kerr. By the way, we talked about hall of fame. I think that guy has a sneaky, sneaky, decent Hall of Fame resume that no one has ever talked about. I would I talk about 50 goal seasons, four, four straight 50 plus, yeah. 54, 54, 58, 58. And one year he had 34 power play goals. Yeah. He led the league in power play goals for three straight seasons. He doesn't have the individual hardware. His career was cut short. Six six hundred and fifty-five games, tons of injuries, but 54, 54, 58, 58. And then two seasons later, after only playing eight games, hit 48 and 69 games. Well, buddy, he could, he could score, man. Was he was the most dominant effect. winger, power forward in the game for a five-year stretch. Does that count for something? It, it should put him in the conversation,
1: right? But you're right. I, I, he, he gets overlooked. Uh, a lot but but if you look at at kind of the, the peak of his career man he was uh he was pretty dynamic there's uh there's no question about it so he
3: he has more as many points in 75 less games than Cam Neely who's in and Cam Neely had 350 goal seasons Tim Kerr had four straight that's like that's his poster child for getting in Is if Cam Neely's in then why isn't Tim Kerr? And well, you, you can't even at, make the argument that he played on really good Boston teams. Like the flyers went to the final. How many times with Tim Kerr twice lost the orders? I think they went three times.
1: Well, 85 and 87, right? Yeah. That was it with him. Cause then they went with Lindros again in the nineties, but he wasn't on that team. They
3: went, did they went in 80, right? He just missed that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was there that time. when they lost to the Islanders.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And also Frank, he's one of only 10 players in NHL history to have scored 58 goals twice.
3: Crazy. And anyway, I, just a total rabbit yeah, hole. No, I like it. That's random. And play. I was like, I, that's a, that's a hall of fame argument. I would love to make. Ooh, buddy, get on it.
1: You know, somebody has to present it. That's what I, that's what I've learned about the hall of fame. Of course, somebody has to present your case for you to the committee. So Frank, you you should be the hype man for Tim Kerr. You got to get it out there, honestly. Uh, maybe I will. Yeah, I like it. Uh, let's bring in the uh, the hype man on the show and uh,
0: for betting, Tyler Uramchuk. Ty, how you mm-hmm. doing? I like that intro. I like that intro a lot. I'm doing fantastic. Time for another edition of Buy or Sell, delivered by our friends over at Doordash. <laughs> promo code RUNDOWNDD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Um, let's I want to start with this actually quickly. You guys are talking about goal scorers and how about the greatest goal scorer of all time? Uh, we should send some love Mike Bossy's way uh, battling lung cancer right now. I saw there were a couple of media members asking to say a prayer for Bossy and the Bossy family. So sending our best to uh, Mike Bossy and his family as He battles lung cancer. Um, I want to start with uh, some more of that 50 goal talk and actually I want to elevate it's a little bit are you buying or selling on either dry or matthews getting to 60 and you know what i'll even throw in would you buy on mcdavid potentially getting 50 this year buying or selling on mcdavid dry matthews getting to 60 and 50 respectively frank
3: i am buying on matthews selling on dry and selling on mcdavid okay
0: I think Matthews has a shot too, just because he's got that one extra game left, right? And I mean, he's clearly capable of going on. He's on, on those...
3: pace for sixty-two. Yeah, so it wouldn't be crazy.
1: Yeah, I uh, you, as I mentioned outlined, uh, you know, he's twelve in his last twelve. Dry settles twelve in his last twelve. McDavid's eleven in his last thirteen. Um, oh. I I will buy on. Matthews, and I'm going to buy on McDavid. I'm mean, McDavid's on such a heater right now, guys. He's got uh, 18 multiple point games in his last 23. Like, he is just shredding the league right now. And uh, I think Dry is going to fit. Dry is going to be, uh, he's going to join Tim Kerr in the 58 goal club.
0: Fair enough. There's a lot of times, too, with McDavid where he'll score. And he it kind of doesn't really look like he cares very much over this last run where he scored in four straight games. It looks like he's fired up. And that's either a guy who is a fired up to be in a playoff push or he's sitting there and it's in his head that he thinks there's a shot he can get to 50. I wouldn't doubt McDavid at all. Uh, Number two, moving far away from the playoff race. How about the little run that the Buffalo Sabres have been on since March 1st? Killing
3: me, Smalls.
0: (laughs) Since March 1st, they are 10th in the NHL in points percentage. And that's a 16-game stretch. Like, they're playing some good hockey. Is this a late-season push? Or is this showing that the Sabres might actually have a good core coming together in Buffalo? Are you buying or selling this late-game push from the Sabres, Jason? Ooh, that's a really good question.
1: Um, I'm, I'll, I'll buy that they are improved and they're healthy, but they got a long ways to go to be a competitive team in the Eastern uh, Conference over a calendar year, like the top eight. Man, like who's falling out? Look how they're good they 30 are. Thirty
3: points back.
1: Yeah. So, um, they're they're making progress, but I, I need to. Who is the? Oh man, there's a few bad teams that did it for years where. March and April, they oh geez, they're gonna take a step and then they start the next the season. Oilers
3: thing forever.
1: Five, sixteen, and one. Uh, no, the, actually Frank, I can tell you the orders was a death march many years down the stretch. Like you go back to 13, uh, they won that's
0: they not were co- true every year. There was uh, the well, one year. Remember when Yakupov scored like 12 goals in eight years, yeah. Games like down the, the, the Todd Nelson Yakupov.
3: year was a good one, too, wasn't it? I think
0: no, they had well, two. but
1: see, so you know what's funny about that, Ty? The, it's funny how p- our memory, the, yeah. the year the Oilers won Yakupov, and they actually scored six goals in the last three games to get there to 17. Go. But at, at, and keep in mind, that was the short that was the shortened season. So at, okay. the th- at the three quarter mark of the year, 36 games, the Oilers were one point out of the playoffs. Then they went one and nine and okay. absolutely got crushed. But then they won their last two games of the season and, and Yakupov scored five goals in those two games. And everyone's like, he's going to be the greatest new scorer in the league. And I was just like, oh my goodness, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> um, like there was years, Frank, where the orders, uh the one year, I think they won one of their or something. Like they went a stretch where they won one of 21 games. Like there was a lot of pain down the stretch for the orders. That's why they always weren't finishing
0: near the top because they sucked down the stretch. All right, Uh Frank, you bind or selling this little uh late season run from the Sabres, or is it just a late season mirage?
3: So you heard me groaning because before the season started, I took the Sabres under 67 points and (laughs) this, this run has like absolute, it was also my biggest bet of the year. I did not make a bigger bet preseason. And the, my thought process was they didn't get there last year and they traded away Jack Eichel. How could they possibly be better this year? So I thought it was sound reasoning and I think what this team has shown, first off, Alex Tuck is a really good player. He's made everyone better around him, which is hard to say and hard to do. Um, that was that was a pretty underrated. Like, we we didn't we talked about the return and we were like, eh, for Jack Eichel, like that's all they got. Like Tuck has been he's been pretty darn good and he loves it in Buffalo, which is even more important being a Western New York kid. You know, you you have to want to play there and he does. So that's a key part. But I think what we've learned more than anything, instead of about this team potentially being good next year, what we've learned is this team doesn't quit even Sunday's game against the Panthers. They were down big early. Mm -hmm. They make it a five, three game at the end. Like third period actually kind of got interesting. Like that was against arguably the top team in the league or in the top handful And they didn't roll over in an April game when they easily could have 30 points back of eighth seed. I think that says a lot about Don Granato as a coach. I think it says a lot about the group that they have. Certain guys have been able to revive their careers. Kyle Ocpozo. I mean, that's been one of the great stories of the year. Like that guy seemed like he was done and he had so many health concerns and injuries. Like 41 points, he's going to hit 20 goals. Like he, that guy, he, he had 13 last year, 19, two seasons ago. Like it's, it's, I'm not buying on the Sabres, but I'm buying on what they have going
0: mojo wise. How about Jeff Skinner as well? In his last 103, 112 games before this season, he had 21 goals. He's popped home 28 and 68 this season. What a bounce back.
1: Crazy. Still a steal, not worth the contract. A steal of a contract. Yeah. yeah. A
0: steal. bin contract. stuff. <laughs> Uh, Number three, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I have my top three in terms of power rankings in the NHL right now, who I believe are the three best teams in the league right now. I'll give them to you. You let me know if you're selling on any of them. And if you'd buy on someone who's outside of my top three, I have Panthers at one they're the first team to clinch a playoff spot in the East two, I have Colorado and three. I'm going with Minnesota, Jason selling on one of those. And who would you swap in?
1: Oh, um I'm I'm taking the Panthers for sure. Uh
0: ahead of Minnesota uh,
1: all day long. Yeah, like, I, hey, I, I like go Min-
0: Panthers one, Avs two, Wild three. In that order. Uh no, I would go uh
1: I would go Panthers, Avs and third best team right now. Well, the third best team right now, the way they're playing, I'll go Boston Bruins. They got a seven eighty three points percentage in their last 20. Like if you look and, and the reason I know that is because I was looking at what the orders are under Jay Woodcroft and the Edmonton orders under Jay Woodcroft actually have the fourth best points percentage in the NHL, yeah. right? But the Bruins are one, the Panthers Avs, who have been good all year. I know Minnesota's on this, this great run lately for sure, but they're still only in, in their last 26 games, they're still only 13th in points percentage. So I
3: don't have them in my top three. Yep. I told you guys about that stat a few weeks ago, right? Score adjusted uh, oh, yeah. Fenwick in terms of gambling and being a predictor in terms of who gets to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. The Bruins are right there, man. Do not be surprised if they're a team that gets in the playoffs and causes a big stir with an upset. Um, they're not in my top three, though. I would go Avs one, Florida two, and... I'd go Carolina three.
0: Ooh, Carolina three. All right. So both of you selling on Carolina gets no love.
3: No, no one likes Carolina. I like them.
0: I just don't. I don't know if I love them. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I come out on them as well. Like I, I do think they're good, and they'll win a playoff round because I mean they could very well get Washington in the first round. That should be a, a pretty easy matchup for whoever gets the Caps. But I, yeah, I'm just not sure if I love Carolina the same way I look at Florida. And I'm like, damn, that's a wagon of a hockey team.
3: I'll
1: put it
0: out well, this I, way. I think there's a
3: clear delineation between it's Florida and Colorado in one category. And then it's sort of like everyone else in the next tier down. Does yeah, that make still,
1: sense? I'll still put Tampa in there. Here's the way I look at Carolina guys.
0: You know, it's the new yeah, trend. How do rate. we, how
3: do we not say Tampa? What a that is a yeah.
0: total error well, in judgment? It, GK, but since March 1st, Tampa Bay is like 16th or something in points percentage. Like they haven't been great recently. It, here's the thing, but I know they're the still switch. Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here
1: here's the way I look at it, guys. You see one of the new trends. Uh, everybody's into brown suits right now, mm-hmm. right? That's like the new color. And if you watch it, see it everywhere. Brown suits. I'll say this about the brown suit. The brown suit like Carolina. Yeah, it looks good. But are you pulling it out of your closet when you're wearing your favorite suit? Highly, on, It's still it's rare for the brown to be your
0: number one suit. It can look nice. It's trendy. But is it the top one? Whereas Tampa Bay is maybe just your classic black suit, right? Whew. They're going to come black through suit, for white you. White
1: shirt, buddy. Can't go wrong. You're like, any day I want to look good, I just go with the Ray Donovan. It's a win.
0: Uh,
3: hey, uh, I, I had a brown suit once and I, I wore it on air and I had my boss call me after. He goes, hey, you like that suit? Yep. <laughs> like, Don't ever wear it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: okay. Uh, Never wore it again.
0: All right, uh, let's wrap it up with our points bet bonus question. And today is a big day for our friends at points bet Canada because sports betting is live and legal. In Ontario, the uh, first Canadian province to welcome really sort to of,
1: 2022.
3: Ontario, Jeez. Wow. yeah, Alberta's
0: yeah. not
3: there yet. So. Yeah,
0: so yeah, they're the first ones to open it up to sort okay. of the third-party market, if you will, because yeah. Alberta has the government-regulated yeah. side and nothing else. Um, but Ontario is roaring and ready to go, and PointsBet is roaring and ready to go. So head over to PointsBet Canada. I have a link right now on our Twitter. We have one up at Daily Faceoff as well. If you hit that link, there's a little welcome bonus for you. So sports betters in Ontario. It is a good day to be you, and it's a good day for our friends at Points Bet Canada. Uh, hey, Ty, it's also, Yep.
1: Sorry to interrupt. What is the line today on the Leafs to win the playoffs? Because, Mark, that'll probably
0: be the biggest single bet in Ontario today on points bet. Oh, I guarantee you will be. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup on points bet are plus 1,200, 12 to
1: 1. Oh, mark it down. Leafs fans are going crazy today, Frankie. And their points bet's just like, ka-ching,
3: why not? I put exactly nineteen dollars and sixty-seven cents on the Leafs to win the cup before the year started. I might. I was thinking I had a cash out offer today for eleven dollars. I was thinking about taking it.
0: Yeah. Hey, hey, a couple of coffees, right? Um, all right. It's also a good week for this to happen. It's a big betting week with the Masters coming up. So I always love getting your guys' take on uh, other sporting events. So the Masters, the top five. John Rahm is the odds-on favorite, plus eleven hundred. You got Justin Thomas, who is my boy at plus fourteen hundred. Cameron Smith, sixteen hundred, Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler round out the top five. Top Canadian is Corey Connors at 61, 60 to 1. And Tiger Woods is kicking around at 80 to 1. Uh, so let me just throw this out there for your points by question. Give me a master's pick. I want someone to bet on. Whew. Well, definitely not Woods.
1: Um Scotty Scheffler is on fire, fire. Uh, lately. I was watching the, uh, the match play um, I was a little bit hung over on the Sunday. One of the rare times <laughs> in a long time after COVID uh, had an outbreak. So why not? But uh, so I will go with, um, I will go with the, I will go with Scheffler, but I, I, if you could bet for Corey
3: Connors to finish top five, I'm doing that too. Frank, I am going Dustin Johnson. DJ has owned that course.
0: There yeah.
3: recently he's been like, if you look at the last, however, 20 rounds played at the masters, like how many guys have a better total than low score than Dustin Johnson? I can't imagine. It's very many. If what's Kisner's odds
0: right now, Ty Uh, Kisner's odds. He's outside of the top 10. No, he's way down there. He's 200 to one. Dude, I'm putting some on him. That guy's on fire lately. So Kisner action. He's also my
3: favorite character on, on the tour. Yeah.
0: It's not oh, even close. I uh, I love Masters week. I shouldn't say this with uh, the president of hockey content on the show, but I will be not very productive down the stretch of this weekend once the Masters comes on. And I love oh,
3: it. Just another day that ends in Y. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to do it for another edition of Buy Our Sell. Once again, shout out to Points by Canada. They're live in Ontario. Head over to our Twitter and we got a link up there and shout out to our friends at DoorDash. <laughs> That's a funny bet. $19 and
1: 67 cents. Frank, whoever, gave I, I mean, if FB, you're not
3: having FB. fun, like why, yeah. why do well, Why it? not? Why not? What did it pay out? Uh, it it was 19. It Let's see. Active bets. Toronto Maple Leafs, $19 and 67 cents to win $216 and 37 cents.
1: Hmm. All right. Like 10 to one, give or take. So yeah. That's all right. Not bad. I think it's 12 to one. So how many bets did you make at the start of the year? And how many of you cashed
3: out? Uh, I made a bunch to start the year that have only a couple have cashed out Kings over 85 and Kraken under 93, which was like stealing money.
1: Yeah. That was the line of the year. I didn't understand it. You you guys even got me. I'm not a, I'm not a big better, but I put uh, when I saw that line, I put a hundred bucks on it. I was like, that's, I thought that was the easiest bet of the year.
3: So I've got a few juicy ones outstanding. Okay. You tell me if I'm going to get there or not. Oilers over 98 points.
1: Man, you know, what's funny, Frank. Uh, Two weeks ago, I had the playoff cut line in the West at 95 points. I thought that was pretty realistic. But you look at it now, like it's closer to 97. So the orders, they would need 13 points in their final 12 games. So all all they got to do is go seven and five. Right. As I mentioned, since Jay Woodcroft took over, Frank, the orders are 17, 7 and2 they got the fourth best points percentage in the National Hockey League. They got the mo- they're tied with Boston for the most points, but that's because they played a few more games than other teams um, I know everybody's talked about, well they' got a, a harder schedule, yeah, but they've played good teams. like the orders, despite the thing about the orders is they have those games where they get absolutely destroyed like they did against Calgary. But for a lot of the other games, the orders have actually been quite good since Woodcroft took over and you got the, uh, the two most dynamic offensive players in the game on heaters right now. So yeah, Frank, I would, I would, if you could up that bet right now, I would you actually can't. take over on uh, 98 I know you can't, but, but would not... you,
3: what you think, you think I'm going to get there? Yes. Yes. Or no. Yes.
1: yes. I think they'll okay. get that. So they need 14 more points, right? Okay. Got to get to 99.
3: Austin Matthews winning the rocket. We talked about that. Carolina Hurricanes over 96. That looks pretty oh, good. buddy. Oh, wait. They, they already hit it. Actually. They already are. Sorry. It's money in the bank. Yeah. Okay. So that didn't cash yet. So Sabres under 67. That's that's not looking good. No, the Sabres, buddy, they're on fire they're, right now. They're still on for a season long pace, they're still only on pace for 69. Yeah. But which is crazy. They, so they need seven points in their last 12 games. So six.
0: Yeah, six points.
3: But, but don't, don't they have to get... Oh, no, sorry, under. Under six. Yeah, six points oh, so. in their last 12 games. It's not happening.
0: Yeah, no, you're done. they, they are, their next games, though, Frank. Their next five. Carolina, Carolina, Florida, Tampa, Toronto. Might so you're you.
3: saying there's a chance. <laughs> so I had Darcy Kemper to win the Vezina. That's not going to happen. No. The Jets to win the Central. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> the Canes to win the Metro.
1: That's yeah that's pretty good. That, that's pretty good odds. What are they up? Uh, they're four points up with a game in hand. so They were five
3: right. to one. I had 20 bones on that to win 100. All right. McDavid to win the art, Ross. Yeah, I think that's happening.
1: The only guy who can catch him is his teammate.
3: Jets over 92 and a half, which is not happening. Not happening. They're on pace for, I think, 89, which is, it yeah. sounds funny because it's still 89 to 92. Like, it's somewhat close.
1: Yeah, it's close. But, uh, yeah, they, they need 17 because they got to get they got to get over. So they need 17 points, Frank, and they still games. have
3: 100 possible points that they can hit. Yeah, it's not happening. No. And this one is also going to be really close. Canucks over 88. Whew,
1: what are they there? So they're so they need 15 points in 12 games.
3: Yeah. And so. they've, if you look at their records since Boudreaux took over, it's yeah, but they got to go. So they got to go seven, four, and one. They they've, they've been way better than that under Boudreaux. Seven. Four and one. I think
1: I, th- I can tell I, you for sure. Yeah. Haven't they like, what did he get hired? November 6th or something? This It was December 4th, I think. Oh, sorry. That was Vino got fired. Okay. Uh, December 4th. Well, if you look at. Uh, he got
3: yeah, his first game was December 6th. They were 9, 15, and two, and now they're 32 28. So they went uh, 20. They're 24, 14, and three. Yeah.
1: 24, 13, and
3: eight. Sorry, 24, 13, and eight. Okay, so 24, 13, and eight. And you said they need to go seven, four, and one. Like they yeah. they could do that. They should do that. Nah, I'd have to look at It's going to be really close. Anyway, nah, it's a juicy man. one. And then uh, and the- McDavid McDavid over one twenty five.
1: Yeah, I'll take that. He's on fire, man. As I mentioned, he's got like he. And what's what's unique about McDavid is you look at his career numbers. Frank, at the end of the year when scoring goes down league wide, his production arguably goes up. March and April are his two most productive months of his career.
3: I wish this one would cash, although it won't. You see Soros to win the Vezina. I got him when he was 15 to one. 50 bucks pays eight sixty.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, what if Shisterkin continues to, cause he's kind of in free fall mode here a little bit by his standards, but he's still Yeah. He's still got to fall a lot. So yeah, it's not happening.
3: And this, I made this last bet. You'll laugh at this. Uh, I made it on, June sixteenth. Uh, Florida Panthers to win the cup. <laughs> I only put seven dollars on it. They were uh, twenty to one. All right. 100%. It was all. Hey. I think it was like all I had left in my account at the time. Like ah, seven dollars. <laughs> hey, dude that was my preseason pick, man. I know
1: I'm sticking with the cats. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, It's going to be an an interesting week, Frank, uh, of course, in the NHL, but the the one main playoff race, uh, Dallas, tough loss in Seattle uh, last night. So that gives Vegas a little bit of breathing room. Vegas so far has taken care of business against the teams. They should beat. We'll see if it can continue, but uh, they, they might have to have a better chance to catch Nashville or Dallas, the way the Kings are playing. And I want to give a shout out to the LA Kings, like the LA Kings. They, they go into Calgary, they win. They go into Winnipeg, they win. They get a point in Edmonton with a depleted defense core. They're missing four forwards in their bottom six. Uh, to, and what the Kings continue to do to me is absolutely amazing. Like that, I, I thought, oh, this trip might be tough on them. And they get five out of six points. The Kings, uh, shout out to end on a positive note to the LA Kings, who just refuse to uh, to lose right now. It's huge mm-hmm. for them.
3: They, they're they're grinding like the buffalo sabers <laughs> grinding right into frank's pocketbook oh well frank I, have a I, good honestly week. it felt like a good one to start under six under 67 damn
1: Jeez, you're loving this the 67 was your theme this year
3: i apparently so
1: buffalo and toronto Yep. will either pay out probably not have a great week frank talk to you on friday Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarevalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts
3: from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.
0: but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third?